Welcome to The Insider, the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Our guest for this podcast is Fire Chief Mark McCluskey. McCluskey became the new fire chief effective July 1st after serving as interim chief for a year. He has over 38 years of experience with Murfreesboro's Fire Rescue Department. And uh, Chief McCluskey, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on this appointment. I know sometimes when you get elevated to this position, it's almost... Uh, uh, such a challenge that you you regret it sometimes, but, well, <laughs> but it's, it's here. It, it's been a challenge, but it's here now, and um, I'm facing the challenge head on and, and moving forward. It's, uh, everything's looking good right now. Now, how many firefighters do we have, or, or how big is the department? If we're fully staffed, we have about 244, and uh, about 11 of those are civilian jobs. Uh, the rest of them are registered um, uh, certified firefighters. And that's from uh, the firefighters all the way up to myself. Now, you're a native of Murfreesboro, right? So you grew up here. That is correct. I've lived here all my life. Uh, when I was born here in Rutherford County Hospital, my parents lived in Laverne. They took my mom to the hospital, and I come home to our new house in Murfreesboro. <laughs> so that's how it went. Wow. And so tell us a little bit about um, your growing up here. What kind of things were you involved in as a child? Well, I um, played ball. I played uh, Little League Baseball with uh, Vice Mayor Shacklett. He was my coach for several years, went on to do that. Uh, went to Central Middle School uh, after uh, Bradley Model School that was on Mercury Boulevard, or Martin Luther King now. And after that, I finished uh, high school at uh, Riverdale High School. Uh, when did you start your career with the fire department? I started in uh, February of '85 when I actually started my career. And, um, and how did that how did that get started? What's well, that? it's kind of a, a long story or a short story. Let's see. It's uh, back in the early '70s or late '70s and the early '80s. My father was director of civil defense, and that's basically what the EMS or EMA director does now. So. I would make calls with him out in the county, sometimes even in the city. And when I moved from K Street on to Mercury, I lived across the street from the fire department. And since I was about 10, I would go over to the fire department, hang out, uh, got to know all the guys that worked here. Um, I was actually their paper boy for about five years. What got you started with that? Like, why were you interested in, in firefighting or civil, Just, civil defense? I saw what my dad used to do and uh, how much uh, appreciation he got from people and how much he enjoyed helping people. And I wanted to follow that same type of uh, um, career to do that. And it's, very, it's been very rewarding to me over the years. In those early years before you became a firefighter where you were involved either with your father or other people, uh, do you have any particular memory that stands out of doing that or some incident? Uh, yes, I can remember several. Uh, of course, it's emergency accidents. Um, one that really stands out with me that I have the picture in my office is my dad up here at the Firestone building off the square when it was burning. It had a lot of hazard materials in it. And uh, back then, Chief Swan had called and asked for assistance. And I got that picture of my dad that was at that fire. Uh, that was one of the events. Uh, I can remember uh, the fundraisers that I used to do because it was all volunteer back then. A lot of fun times back then. Used to have wrestling matches, gospel singing. But I do remember a lot of calls too. Uh, 
going on some some bad calls. Probably too young to be there, but plane crashes, bad car wrecks, and there's another one that uh, that I also have a picture out of DNJ uh, when Procraft burned up on uh, Old Nashville Highway several years ago. Uh, one of our retirees that's now passed on. There's a picture of me and him uh, standing at the pump panel on the fire truck while he's running, and I'm sitting there watching him. Do you remember what caused that fire? I do not. I do not. I just yeah. know it was a big fire, and it was, uh, of course, all that fiberglass in the building was burning up. And, and at the time, it was actually in the county, and the city went out and helped the county. So, so obviously, a lot has changed from that time to now. What are some of the biggest things that have changed in the years that you've been with the department? Well, there's a lot of changes, and all of them are big from the time I started till now. The, uh, the equipment we use, uh, our tactics we use. Uh, I was just thinking earlier about uh, how we used to, when we first started, we used to take little fans, about like household fans, and remove smoke out of houses, and we would basically try to suck the smoke out of it. Then as time progressed, now we're using fans with uh, 10 horsepower motors that move 20,000 cubic feet of air a minute, and we're putting the air into the house and that was one of the big changes I remember back years ago. It's like, well, if you put air in a fire, it's going to burn it down. But it made so much other difference in far as re removing the smoke, the heat, and was able to go into it. And, and the, the first time I ever used it was on Case and Lane. And been using it ever since. It's a, it was a positive pressure thing and a positive thing for us, which back years ago we thought that would burn the house down. When I first started here, uh, None of our fire trucks had seat belts in them, had one air pack on each truck that we never used. Now it's mandatory within so many feet of a fire to have on. Uh, all of our cabs now are enclosed, of course, with full seat belts and everything. There's just been so many changes, so much changes in the, the department. Just several things. We used to ride on the back of the truck. We don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, and tactic-wise, there's so many different ways that it's coming up every day to make it safer and uh, for our firefighters and more efficient to put the fires out. And, of course, with all these advances, uh, there has been an increase in training, whereas you probably had some training before, but now it's almost a constant thing to be updated, right? Exactly. We, um, and training ties into a lot of things, uh, a lot of ratings and uh, how our department fits in with uh, accreditation and all, but... When I first started here, I can remember asking uh, one of the firefighters there, I said, when do you think I'll get to go to rookie school? He said, I don't know. He said, I've been here eight years and ain't been yet. <laughs> so, but luckily I got to go pretty quick and we were kind of blessed at the time. The state fire school was right here in town on the Old Fort mm -hmm. Parkway. And that was basically, if we didn't do any in-house training, which we did pretty regular, the state fire school was the only place we got to go to. Now we're sending people all over the south to go to different trainings and, and, and a lot of special trainings that we didn't have back then to even need that training. And, and Murfreesboro has its own training center. That's correct. We have our own training center now that gets utilized just about every day. Uh, we have, oh, I'm sure there's somebody there now doing something with the 11 stations. They all have free access to go when they want to. They just coordinate that. And somebody's there about every day uh, sharpening up on their skills. How beneficial has that been? Share with us what the meaning of that is for your department. It's very beneficial. The, the training center, if you, if you go by it, you look at it, it's got a driving pad. 
It's got a uh, five-story building to do uh, high-rise operations in it. And, and the roof on it's a little bit different than any other roof. It's got places to repel off of it, to simulate uh, ventilation, uh, cutting the roof and all that, uh, balconies to work off of, uh, you know, exterior doors with balconies. So you can pretty much build any kind of scenario that you want and train on that that you might approach. So it's been a very valuable tool to the fire department here in town. And now the city brings uh, departments from all over the, that, this that region. That is correct. Uh, we have uh, surrounding departments that are not as, uh, uh, don't have the training center like we do, and we share it with them. We have classes together, uh, and it's, it's been a benefit to a lot of departments around us. One of the things you're busily involved with right now is uh, the new administrative building. You're going to be uh, relocating at some point. I'm not sure when, but there's a lot involved in that. It is. We, um, the city obtained that building about a little over a year ago. Um, we went in and decided uh, it was it's 15,000 square feet, and what we decided to do is split it up because Parks and Rec were looking for a new place to go. We've outgrown our administration now. So we decided to split this building in half. They got the first and second floor on one side, and we got the first and second on the other side. And this is a building on Thompson? On Thompson Lane, 2140 Thompson Lane. It was, uh, it was actually one of the buildings that uh, was affected by the Good Friday tornadoes that had the mm -hmm. roof tore off of it. Of course, it was replaced. We were able to uh, purchase that at a fairly good price, and, and the price it's going to cost to remodel it to our needs is still close to half of what it was going to cost us to, to build, build a new, new building with the uh, new construction costs nowadays. What's the timetable on when you hope to Well, to we've, we've actually already started, um, and there, uh, the deadline is first of the year. So we, we're hoping to move in by the first of the year, and it's, it's something we're all looking forward to now. It's probably going to be a little bit different since you're so used to coming to this location near City Hall, so there'll be some adjustments. It will. Uh, that's one thing we've all talked about, our commute to work, how we're going, which way we're going to go. Uh, of course, the traffic on Thompson Lane getting out when it's time to go home. But it's going to be different. Uh, if you know, our administration now is the old City Hall, which had been remodeled, and it still is not really set up like an office. It works for us right now. But we've outgrown it with uh, over the years as we've grown in our department, and we're just really looking forward to have this. And it's going to have everybody will have their own office. Uh, everything's going to be new. It's just going to be nice to have. We've never had anything like that, and we're looking forward to it. When people think about fire departments, they obviously think about fighting fires. But there's so much more that the, the fire department does in addition to fighting fires. And uh, maybe you could outline just some of the services that you provide. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times now we refer to our apartment instead of a fire department as an all-hazard department. Uh, normally, if um, if you dial 911 and you're not needing a police officer, the fire department takes all those other calls. Uh, fire calls uh, represent about 20% of our calls. Um, of course, we do medical that's in the high 70% of the other calls and, and, and everything after that as far as... Uh, Animal rescues, uh, search and rescue for people, of course the water rescue, uh, you know, hazard materials calls, just whatever it may be, you know, because we're, we're set up to accommodate for all those special needs or, or emergencies that come across. And like one of the services you probably provide is CPR training. That is correct. And uh, seat belt. Uh, seat belt, we do. Uh, 
actually that uh, it's the seat belt for the, the car seats. It's uh, we have found in this we do this in partnership with uh, the police department. Also, we have found a lot of people have car seats, but they don't know how to install them. So they think they're installed correctly, but they're not, and they're they're not of use if they were to have a wreck. So uh, we give. Uh, out car seats that people may not be able to afford them. We provide them a car seat. The people mm -hmm. that do have car seats, we uh, uh, educate them on how to install a car seat. And you probably encourage people, and, and it's, it's valuable to the community. You have a number of stations. I know Station 11 was probably the most recent one that was mm -hmm. installed uh, over on the West End. Um, but you want people to be active in the community uh, yes. And to feel like they can just drop by the fire station anytime and talk to folks. Oh yeah, we uh, we love to do that to have people stop by, especially with their children, uh, give them tours, show what the, you know what their equipment's doing for them, uh, uh, take a tour of the station because a lot of people just don't have any idea. They just see it's a fire station or and don't have any idea what goes on inside of it. But it's just uh, basically a house with a bigger kitchen and a bigger bedroom and it's there are one bedrooms with a bunch of beds and uh, i know the station station four there on medical center has a slide that's correct that you showed to the kids mm -hmm. and then they also have one of the old fire trucks from back in the early 1900s or late 1800s we inquired that fire truck from metro fire department well it's not a fire truck it's a steam engine mm -hmm. back in the early 1900s i'm not i think it might have been 1908 and it's one of the few that's left in the United States back in the uh, uh, war times where they scrapped a lot of metal. A lot of them got used for scrap to make um, ammunition and go overseas. So we know of about four others of that particular model in the United States. And it's uh, it set down at the, um, over at the, uh, I can't remember. I think was it at Cannonsburg? Cannonsburg, that's yeah. where it was. Excuse and it was just in a in a building, kind of it was catching dust, out, right? It was. It was sitting outside under a shed, and we decided to get it and uh, have it reworked and refurbished. And in in Station Four, we have a, uh, a history educational center over there, and it tells the history of the fire department. And that's in that. And I've seen see that, it. and people should really take advantage of yes. looking at that. If yes, they, if it's, they can get uh, by there. It gives the history of our fire department, shows a lot of old equipment in the steam engine. And, it, and we'll be glad to have anybody anytime stop by we, for a tour. In 2020, uh, the fire department did something that's pretty remarkable. I think uh, there's like maybe 50-some thousand fire departments and about 300-some to 400 have what's called the ISO rating, yeah. uh, which is the insurance service office. And I wanted you to talk about that a little bit and how, how important that is to the community. The uh, ISO rating, there has been more people to inquire over the last few years, but there's only eight in the state of Tennessee that have an ISO rating. And the difference between a one and a 10 on the scale, which we are a one, is broke down. It's about a 47% saving in insurance from being a one to 10. So it's huge. It's huge. Yes. Uh, if you, and by saying that, it's basically double. You take what your insurance is now. If we had an ISO 10, you double your prices. So, and not only for uh, residents, it's it's even better for commercial buildings. Uh, and it takes a lot to get that. Uh, I was talking about the trainer center a few minutes ago. That's one of the big components in getting the ISO one. You're going to have so many hours of training 
it's a lot of factors that deal with that. Uh, the, the training, our equipment, what we carry, our response time, uh, amount of stations, uh, you know, that we have to cover our area that goes into that by getting that rating. So something for citizens to not only be proud of, but to benefit from in terms of their insurance. Exactly. And then the, in 2021, uh, the whole process of accreditation, and, and I've been involved in that with uh, the Department of Safety in the past, and that's a lengthy, uh, challenging process of getting everything together to demonstrate. It uh, is. It's a, a very tedious process. It uh, kind of gives you the, a big picture of your whole department from every angle, how it needs to be operating. And it just it covers so much. Uh, that's a... That's a five-hour subject we could right. talk about, but it goes in so much detail. But it lays your fire department out to where, where you're at and where you should be with it growing in the next five years, and it lays a plan out to do that. Um, and you receive that after this process. That right? is correct. When you meet the standards to be where we need to be right now, and we go through an uh, a audit every year uh, to see where we're at, what have we done since we were there last year to keep that rating, to keep moving forward, to keep that uh, rating? So it's it's a, just a growing process, and it goes all the way from how we hire. Uh, it's got community input in it on surveys, all the way up to type equipment, training facility. It just it covers everything. And then in addition to that, something we haven't talked about is this what you're doing now in addition to firefighting is responding to emergencies of, of, of many kinds as you've talked about but advanced life support and paramedics yes uh, let's see it was January the 1st 2003 we started extrication and six months later we implemented our medical response on July the 1st 2003 so we've been doing it over 20 years now when we first started we were uh, most everybody had a few EMTs um, but we had EMRs, which are uh, just emergency medical responders uh, that was uh, not trained as well as we are now. But anyhow, the time progressed. Now we have approximately uh, 170 of our employees out of the 230-something certified. They're either EMT or above. And several paramedics, but also right now we have a paramedic group, uh, grant that we received. And we have 34 students going to uh, school off this grant to become paramedics. So the way it's working, you have this 170, I think is what you mm -hmm. said, but the ones that are not to the, these higher levels, they're in the process of getting there. Right? Mo that's, that is correct. We have some that are. Uh, we have a few odors, uh, employees that are grandfathered in, and we're mm -hmm. not making them do it. It's a requirement now. Because right. they'll be retiring in a, correct. several years uh, anyway, right? And... Um, and this was really important to us to do. Uh, our EMS system is county operated in which they cover the city limits and outside the city limits. And we were having medical calls years ago that would be right next to this fire station. And it may take an ambulance 10 minutes to get there. I'm not saying, don't want to talk mm -hmm. about it, about response times. It may be there in two minutes. But we were sitting there doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And fire calls were so far and few between you know, we needed to be doing more like a lot of uh, departments across the nation's doing. So we uh, implemented this plan, and it has done nothing but grown ever since then. Uh, we can basically do everything 
that the county EMS does now except for transport. Uh, we don't have quite as many drugs because we don't, it, the narcotics that you keep on the amulets is sometimes it's, um, um, they expire and run out. They're more likely to use them, so we just wait on them to get them because a lot of times that's just, uh, it's not needed exactly when we get there. Mm -hmm. It may be so we wait on them, but we do have some drugs. But um, yeah, but if, our, uh, go I was going to say if I have an emergency, I'm not so concerned about who's there as, as someone is there. Exactly. And if the person can get there faster with those mm -hmm. same skills, I want that to happen. The, the fire and EMS side of, with the county, we work so good together now. We had a few bumps in the road, but uh, now we're back running smooth. They Great. appreciate us. We appreciate them. We always have extra hands on the truck. We run a five-man engine company. They only have two. So when there's a, a serious call, they're always glad to have an extra hand. And um, just just like your normal code that we go on, it you know we usually have a medic from the EMS, one of ours, and another person, then one driving. It's just you know you got four of the five people running that code instead of two, it makes it more efficient for the patient if, for their survival. You alluded. Uh to the Swift Water Rescue at one point. How long has that been around and what, what did they do exactly? Let's see, Swift Water was brought in probably going on 10 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw a need for it with all of, uh, you know, Stones River running through here. We would have uh, people get caught up, you know, in kayaking's gotten real popular and, and, and flooding and stuff like that. And we were, we were having to rely on the county to come in to help what little bit we could do for them. So we put our own team together and started training. Uh, we have three boats now. They're all different types of boats depending on what type of water you're dealing with. Uh, we have certified uh, uh, swift water rescue teams. Uh, we've been deployed to South Carolina, Texas, uh, Florida for, for high waters, and, uh, and we've used it several times here, uh, just getting people off the river. I'm glad you mentioned the deployments because, like you said, there's been a number of times where there were natural disasters, uh, Florida, North Carolina, other places where you have responded. And the department's kind of gotten a reputation for, for eagerly wanting to do that yes. whenever the, the need arises. Um, what is instilled within the department to, to want to do that? That's, that's just a, the the nature of our firefighters, they, they want to help people. Uh, so when one of our neighboring states is in, in trouble, we have never had any trouble getting the volunteers to go to be deployed for that. And, and knowing that they're gonna be gone on a deployment from seven to 21 days, that's, that's a requirement. You're gonna be gone seven, maybe up to 21, and that's, that's a big commitment to make to leave your right. family. Uh, Not under the best of circumstances. Yes, uh, to go, uh, just like in Texas, you, you went down and did some uh, water rescue there, and um, the guys worked 12, 15-hour shifts and slept in an outdoor tent when it was 100 degrees. So it's not like a vacation, for right. sure. <laughs> How many fire stations do you have now? I think we said 11. And where, where in the future, I mean, you're probably having to go with growth, so there may be yes. another one on the horizon. There is. There's a, there's a couple right now that we're looking at. It's going to be in the CIP budget, maybe three within the next five, 10 years. But what we're looking at right now, we have a need for uh, Joby Jackson, Manchester Highway area. Uh, and also coming up, there's developments going on at uh, Veterans in 840. It's really starting to, and, and we have a need for there. 
Uh, we've talked about those two. Uh, they'll probably be pretty close together, just depending on the infrastructure that's there, which one we start first. Then maybe in the next five to 10 years, out in the Cherry Lane area, uh, I think there's a connected New road extension going, going yes, through uh, that, right. out in that area. And that, that's about as far as we've looked out right now in our uh, capital outlay. But you always have to be a step ahead because as there's growth going further out, that, you need that for response correct. times. Correct. And, and, and also uh, an issue right now that we're having, you know, ordering uh, a ladder truck or a fire truck, we were on 18 to 24 months to get those in. Now it's jumped up to 48 months again to get one of those in. So we're having to order the equipment four years before we need it. Uh, that's due to some regulations that's happening out in California mm -hmm. on the uh, uh, anything over 26,000 pounds couldn't be 10 years or older. And you just ordered a new or received a new apparatus. We did. Uh, back uh, in March, I think it was, uh, we received Ladder 6. It's a, it's a SUF and a 75-foot uh, ladder truck, uh, which uh, explaining a ladder truck, it's really a quint concept. It has, it's a fire truck with a ladder built on it, too. And it's serving the uh, sports comm community out there, Haynes Drive Memorial, out that way. As we wrap it up, I think it's useful for, for people to know what to do. We have older homes. We have smoke alarms that go out mm -hmm. uh, that maybe aren't working properly. What's the best advice for someone who, who wants to improve the ability to save lives within their own home? Well, a, a smoke detector is one, the number one thing that will help you save your life. Um, we do have a program. If, if you're unable to install them yourself, you can give us a call. We'll come out and check yours out. The ones you have, see if they need to be replaced. Or if you have the type that we will install, we'll install them for you for free and just kind of give you a little home inspection, what you might need and where you need it. And that's something, like you said, it's the number one a lifesaver. Yes, it is. And so people that uh, need to update those systems or replace the old ones, uh, it's one of the best things they can do. Yeah, just, uh, you know, you've always heard it, time change, change your batteries every six months. So I always want to make sure they're, uh, they're in worker, proper working order. A lot of people have a tendency to forget about them until they need them. Mm -hmm. So You're always having to bring in uh, new recruits. When's your next class? We have a new recruit class starting... Uh, this August, I think about the second week in August, uh, we have about 12 of our own that we're hiring, and uh, we bring in some outside people too because they help teach the class. It's a 10-week course, so it's pretty uh, labor intense for us to, to supply the instructors. We have outside help. Then after that, we'll have another one starting in January. Are you finding that the high schools here are, are providing some good uh recruits for we're, you? we're getting some uh we've been working our high schools hard you know that's been an issue with um, any kind of profession now to finding and recruiting and retention so we're, we're, we're addressing that issue and going after some of our high schools and trying to get them in here well best of luck to you i know you started july 1 in this uh, new role and we appreciate you taking the time out for here on the inside yeah exactly thank you this insider podcast has originated from city hall thanks for listening uh, via Podbeam and other platforms, and as well right here on YouTube. Our producer is Michael Nevels. For more information on the city of Murfreesboro, you can visit murfreesboro.tn.gov. The Insider is the official podcast. For the city of Murfreesboro, I'm Mike Browning, and thanks again for joining us.